Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. Smiling. Works his motion. A broken back tapper down the third baseline. Picked up by Smiley. Oh! And he collides with Gomes. Safe at first is Peralta. Both Smiley and Gomes are down on the infield grass, both getting up slowly. And that will be ruled a hit, ending Drew Smiley's perfect game this afternoon. And now the crowd on its feet applauding the veteran left hand. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. David Hall, Bruce Levine, here until 11 o'clock, talking Cubs, talking White Sox, talking baseball. That was the call from Friday afternoon when Drew Smiley's perfect game came to an end and an awkward play with David Peralta with a swinging bunt to 32.9 miles per hour exit velocity. And that uh, was the play that ended the perfect game, but Drew Smiley was outstanding. And that was what we're going to be talking about next with our guest, Presented by the Circus Resort and Casino Hotline in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find Joe Girardi from the Marquee Sports Network. Joe was in the booth calling every pitch, playing uh, manager in the booth and telling us what to expect. It really did a great job, Joe. Terrific work. How would you describe what we watched with Drew Smiley on Friday? Man, his stuff was unbelievable. And, you know, the fact that he did it with, just two pitches, his fastball and his curveball. I, I, I don't recall seeing a cutter. Um, I recall only seeing those two pitches and, and how much he was in control of that game. You know, had that not been a hit, I think he has a great chance to complete it, um, especially where he was in the order. Uh, it's it's really sad that it ended that way. I, I, I know the, the one guy that's under a lot of stress besides – besides Smiley and Jan Gomes is the manager because, you know, you have to think about pitch counts and you have to think about how far do I let him go before it becomes too far. You know, if he gets in a 10 pitch bat and all of a sudden he's at 125 and there's only one out and it's, it's a tough spot to be in. But what Drew Smiley has done his last three starts has been really, really good. He's picked up where he's left off. And, you know, I saw him a long time ago. And I thought he was going to be a really, really good pitcher. And I know he's had a lot of injuries, but he's pitched really well for the Cubs. Joe Girardi, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. Joe, thanks for joining us today. I know you were on the score 
uh, yesterday with Lawrence, and uh, I I, uh, I just uh, had to have you on because you know David and I wanted to talk to you about a lot of things, but I know uh, you caught David Cohn's perfect game. What what is that pitcher catcher dynamic like during a perfect game? The the closest I can come to to uh, understanding that was watching for the love of the game and watching uh, Kevin Costner uh, deal with his catcher where it's just him and the pitcher and everything else is blocked out. Is there a feeling like that between pitcher and catcher when you do something this sensational? Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to describe it. And, and I think the feeling that you have, you know, I can go back and remember the feelings that I had. It's the feeling of a World Series game. It's the feeling, you know, because you think about it's happened 23 times. It just doesn't happen, right? I mean, there's just so many things that go wrong. And I think it's the feeling of I don't want to be the one that screws it up. And for me as a catcher, I remember just going over the hitters over and over in my head, remembering how I got them out the time before. And it's not necessarily how, you know, what you get them out with. It's how you get to that point that I think you go over and over in your head because you don't want to be in such a pattern that they have a really good idea of what's, what's coming. So those are the feelings that I had. I, I'm sure for every catcher, it's a little bit different, but the, the feeling is of a world series game. That's the feeling that you have in your stomach. So Joe, describe what happened when Peralta hit the swinging bunt. And from a catcher's perspective, Jan Gomes, he had fun with it after the game. He appeared in front of reporters with a football helmet on, and everybody saw what we saw. But that's a difficult play, and every everybody kind of understands what went on. But from your perspective, having you know that vantage point, how would you describe it? Well, I think it's two guys going after the ball because they're thinking of getting it out more than anything else, and the magnitude of the out is more important in this game. You know, because at that point, I, I don't know what the score was twelve right. to nothing, thirteen. You know. But I think it's two guys going really hard after a baseball, trying to get that out, knowing that it was going to be a really tough one. And, you know, for every catcher, it's a little bit different how you go after that ball. I was more of a guy that would kind of kind of banana to it. Jan Gomes is a guy that, and it's taught both ways, to run straight at it and then turn the throw. So um, I think Jan did everything he could to get out of his way. I, you know, I mean, he's looking at the baseball more than anything else. So he's not necessarily looking at where, where Smiley's at. His focus is on the ball, thinking I'm going to be the one that has to get it. And it's unfortunate they ran into each other. I think it's a bang-bang play. I think he has a chance to get him out. But, I mean, who knows? And, um, you know, you want to see it broke up by a line drive base hit, right? You don't want to see it broke up like a hit like that or a bunt or 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 something that takes a bad hop on an infielder. It's just really unfortunate. But still, what they did yesterday was really special. And I think, you know, Drew understands the importance of Jan, and Jan understands the importance of Drew. Um, and I think that they, they you know, it, it is what it is, and it happened. Joe, uh, by the way, Joe Girardi, our guest again, Peoria and Northwestern's own Joe Girardi joining us on Inside the Clubhouse now with Marquee Sports Network. Joe, uh, the Cubs were not supposed to be this good uh, coming out. We know it's only an eighth of a season, 20 games in. From your mind's eye, 
how do you perceive them and how cautious are you to say, yeah, this is what we're going to be seeing all year long when we're looking at the Chicago Cubs? Well, I think they could be very good because I think it's been more than 19 games that their starting pitching has been excellent, right? And it always starts with starting pitching. You can have a, a great offense, um, and if you don't have starting pitching, you're probably not going to be, you know, go deep into the playoffs. It starts with your starting pitching. And it's been really good. I mean, Stroman's been fantastic. Steele's been fantastic. And it's just one guy passing the torch to the next guy, trying to outdo them in in a game. So I think that they can sustain this. Now, injuries play an important factor. Um, can you keep that rotation intact? And can you get, you know, 30 starts out of some of them and maybe a couple others go down, you know, get 28, 26, and, and whatever. Offense is is always hard to sustain because I think hitters go through ups and downs. But the one thing that I've noticed about the Cubs is they're more patient. And I think that, yeah, they're, they're not leading the league in walks, but I think they're getting themselves in better counts and guys aren't trying to do too much. Um, it just seems like that they're passing the baton, and, and that's different. And I think what you have is you have a bunch of guys that are used to winning that came in, and I think they've had an effect on that clubhouse, and I think it's it's made the offense better. I, I mean, I really do. I mean, I look at what Patrick Wisdom's done. Um, can he sustain that? I don't know. Um, but I know whenever he does touch the baseball, there's hard impact and there's going to be damage. So as long as he keeps making contact, he's going to have a good year. Bellinger, I've said that, you know, from the beginning, for the Cubs to have a really good year, I think Bellinger has to have a good year um, because you need to have guys that have OPS in the 900s. And that's not putting pressure on them. But if you look at the top 15 OPS guys last year in, uh, in the game, 851 was the bottom of the 15. Judge was over 1,000. Um, 13 of them were in the playoffs. So you have to have those dudes in your lineup to get to the playoffs. And I think they might have a, a couple. I think Suzuki's going to have a better year. I've been really impressed with the patience of Dansby Swanson. I mean, he's got almost a third of, of what his career high in walks is already. Nico Horner's done a fantastic job in the leadoff spot. Um, they have contact hitters. you know. And, and I think what David Ross and I talked to him yesterday about the game, I think he's done a really good job is getting everyone involved. I think that from an offensive standpoint, everyone's getting in bats and everyone's getting a chance to contribute and it's showing up big. So if they can keep the offense, and I'm not saying that they have to be the number one offense in the national league, but they can keep that offense going. They can, they can do some damage in this division. Joe, I really appreciated how you have been able to identify, maybe it's a guy here or there, but little things that have made a big difference. And you mentioned Cody Bellinger. He is, he looks like the, hitter he was back in 2019, and I'm not saying that's going to continue necessarily, but you do see subtle things. In, in, from your vantage point, from your, given your trained eye, what has he done that has made the biggest difference and what maybe makes this change and this start sustainable? I think he's quieted his, his, what I would say, his swing down a little bit. I don't think his head is moving as much. I don't think he's crashing forward as much. There's a little forward and there's a little down. The down 
I'm good with, right? Because the down keeps you back on your backside. But what I've noticed is he's cut down on his strikeouts and his he's fouling off the tough pitches. And I've always, even in the years that he struggled in managing against them, he had that ability. But sometimes he would get in these funks where he didn't have that ability. Well, he's pretty much shown that for the whole year this year. And if you can foul off the really tough pitches, like the pitch that he fouled off yesterday, the slider from Arias, um, and then he got the fastball where he made the mistake and hit the home run. There aren't a lot of left-handed hitters that, that foul that off. And I think it, I don't know how much it's talked about, but I think there's a more conscious effort for guys to, to find ways to grind out at bats and to battle and battle and foul pitches off until you make a mistake and not try to do too much. And that's what I've seen out of Cody. I mean, he's, he's hit some balls down the left field line. He's hit, hit a home run to left center. I mean, he's a pull hitter, but I also think not having the shift is going to help him. And hitting is a, is a confidence thing, right? When you're hitting rockets and you're hitting them to the second baseman, that's, 20 feet deep in the, in the outfield and it's an out. I mean, it wears on you mentally. I mean, I think one of the toughest things to do in, in our game is to mentally stay positive at the plate because there's so much failure. And I think he got off to a little slow start, but then he kind of took off. It was only the first homestand and he took off. And I think he has confidence. And I think you see it growing every day because he seems to be getting better every day. Two nights ago, Joe, you and uh, John Chambi had an interesting conversation about metrics and how they impact the game and what you should look for, what you shouldn't when you're building a championship team. Where, where do you stand on metrics? Because a, a lot of guys, and look, you have an engineering degree background yeah. from Northwestern. It's not like you don't know numbers as well as anybody, but uh, a lot of people have been pushed out of the game because they, they're considered not staying uh, up on metrics and uh, guys like, uh, you know, our friend Joe Madden, who got fired said, Hey, uh, get those guys out of the clubhouse. There's a place for those numbers, but it's not four or five of them sitting in my uh, clubhouse in my clubhouse or in my office before a game. Where does Joe Girardi stand on that? Well, the interesting thing is I used to get made fun of when I first started managing about Binder Joe because I've always believed in numbers. I believe numbers tell a story over time. They don't necessarily tell it that day. You know, numbers are black and white. We play in a gray game, um, just like the tarp that's on Wrigley Field right now. It's gray. And I think there's a lot of other factors that, that go into that. And I think you have to be able to weigh those factors. I think analytics is, is a great tool, but you have to use the other tool. And the other thing is that you ha- when you get an analytic, you have to have coaches that are able to coach to it, right, if the guy's hitting the ball on the ground too much, where you have to have someone be able to teach a hitter, you know, not to hit the ball on the ground so much the correct way, because if you just start swinging up, you're going to get in trouble, right? So. I think it's a combination of both that we really need in our game. And I think some teams are better at using them and identifying people's strengths. I mean, if if you look at a Drew Smiley, I mean, he throws his curveball more than anyone in the game. Well, that's an analytic. People don't have success off it. And that's why he uses it so much. So I believe that it needs to be in our game. I believe that you have to have coaches that can take the analytic and be able to teach 
what they need to teach to get the most out of the player. I think that's what we need as much as anything else. And there's also the human dynamic, being the same guy every yeah. day and having the personality. And, Joe, that's why I thought yesterday you made a really interesting point I wanted to follow up on. David Ross was talking about trying to be the same guy every day, and he sometimes can be hard, but he does, and he brings the energy. And that's all you can hope for. You control your effort. You control your attitude. And you made a point that maybe as a former catcher, that helps him as a manager because catchers have to be the same guy every day for the rotation, whoever they're catching that specific day. Would you expand on that? Because I, I have never thought about it that way, but it does make a lot of sense. So if you're a defensive-minded catcher first, right, all you're thinking about is how do I get my pitchers through this game? And I used to say, how do I, how do I get this pitcher through seven innings? Now it's more five or six, right? And that he knows that I'm going to do whatever it takes to get him through those six innings, even if I have to stand on my head back there. I'm, I, I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to block balls. I'm going to be the energy on the field. And I've always thought that the catcher has to be the guy that, you know, shows energy to everyone because you're the only person that everyone sees, right? Center fielder doesn't necessarily see the left fielder or the right fielder, right? The shortstop doesn't see the outfielders behind him on every pitch. That's just the way it is. So I, I think the Cubs went out and they have two really defensive-minded catchers. And I've always admired the job that Jan Gomes has done because I managed against him for a number of years. Tucker Barnhart has the gold gloves and defense comes first for him. And I think that that training of, okay, the pitcher can never see me take my bat behind home plate. Pitch can never see me down or hanging my head because what's he going to think? Or the team can't. So I think – if you're a defensive-minded catcher, that's the approach that you take, and I think it helps you in managing because, let me tell you, as, as we get older as managers and we start changing time zones and we're answering questions every day about our team, and, you know, the, the peaceful time actually for a manager a lot of times is the game. And it's everything else that, that kind of physically and mentally wears on you because you're having to answer questions, you're having to fix this guy, you're worried about how you're going to get through the game because you're lacking relievers. I need to give these guys two days off, and how am I going to close this game up? There's always something in your mind. I, I got this, you know, for, for whatever, catcher that's struggling offensively, but I got to make sure he stays on track. First baseman struggle. There, there's never a time where everything's clicking, right? And, and I said to Boo, yesterday I said, you know, this is a game that David Ross ought to be able to kick back and put his feet up because they're winning, you know, 10 to nothing, 12 to nothing. But he can't because he's got to worry about Smiley's pitch count, right? He has to, right? And and, and how far do you let him go if it gets to that gray area? Um, so there's a lot of times that a manager's not able to relax, but you have to put on the face that everything's okay and everything's going to always be all right. And I think that's what Joe Torrey did as well as any manager I've ever been, been around. If you're prepared and you work hard and we stick together, everything's going to be all right. And that's, that's the feeling that you have to give in the, in the clubhouse because there is so much failure in this game. Joe, uh, David and I appreciate you uh, being with us an awful lot. My last one for you is this. Uh, we were hearing so much about the Wilson Contreras not coming back and the Cubs really not wanting him. And the truth of the matter is they didn't offer him a contract since uh, the last offer they gave him in 2018, and he moved on. Uh, will you explain, if you can, the dynamic of 
an offensive catcher and how a manager has to dance around that issue with still keeping him uh, on board and also get a pitching staff to pitch the best they can. And you had that exact situation with Sanchez in New York. You tried to educate your front office. You tried to educate other people about the fact that this was not a good defensive catcher. Baseball teams don't win too many pennants without a good defensive guy, a guy that they believe in behind the plate. Well, I think the trust factor from pitcher to catcher is really, really big in the course of a season, that they trust that you're doing, know what you're doing there. And all they have to do is focus on that one pitch that you put down. They need Pitchers need to know that you're prepared, that you're going to block balls, they can expand the zone, that you're going to be there for at all times. And you look at World Series teams that win. It's usually a defensive-minded catcher. I mean, that's the bottom line. And I know they'll say the shortstop is the most important defensive position. I disagree. I think it's the catcher behind the home plate because you're involved in so much every day. You're responsible for so many guys. You're responsible for 13 pitchers, five starters, eight relievers, and you're going to probably see 25 during the course of the season. So I think that's why that's so important. Um, You can just go back, Houston. I mean, defensive-minded catcher last year. You, know, you just go back you know, year to year to year, and um, that's what they are. And and that's not to knock offensive-minded catchers because there's some guys that are really good and they can do both. But I think your catcher has to be really solid back there, and there has to be that ultimate trust from the pitching staff to the catcher. Because when you start getting in that area of pitchers saying, well, I don't like throwing to this guy, and I don't want to throw to that guy, it, it creates a little rift in the clubhouse and it creates non-trust. And then there's a little hesitation, you know, from a pitcher, like, uh, is that the right pitch? I, you know, you know, pitchers have to have conviction in what they're doing and they have to trust your catcher. Great stuff, Joe. Appreciate your insight and keep up the great work in the booth for Marquee. Thanks guys. Have a great day. Joe Girardi. Cubs analyst for the Marquee Sports Network, former Cub, former manager. Boy, Bruce, there's a lot there we can react to. We also, when we come back, it's time to play some chin music here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. High and inside. For some chin music. Hey, yeah. How about a warning? Sure. Watch out you don't get killed. <laughs> because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. Uh, it, it's kind of been it's just puzzling when you look at it. Because you going into this year, I mean, heck, I even said it. I thought they were they had a playoff a chance to be a wild card team, very good chance because I thought they'd be better. They won 81 last year, and they I thought they got better because these guys would stay on the field. I thought their pitching staff would be healthier, uh, but it just hasn't materialized. And why? I don't know because I'm not in there every day. I, 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 I'm not grinding in there with them every day. I don't see it every day, so I don't know what these guys are about. But, man, from the outside looking in, it is very frustrating. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to the score. David Hall, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. That was A.J. Pruszynski from the foul territory 
podcast. He was on the Mullion Hall show earlier this week, and we asked him about the White Sox. Bruce, AJ's as candid as ever. And when asked directly about what is the problem with the White Sox, he did not hesitate in saying roster construction. And he must have repeated roster construction several times, three, four, five times throughout a 20-minute interview. And it's a broad term. It's a big umbrella. But I think everybody kind of knows this roster is constructed to assume certain things, but they have too many duplicate parts. And it's the same problem as last year. Do you agree with AJ? Because I did, even though it sounded like he was pointing a finger directly at the front office, maybe even Rick Hahn, but I thought it was appropriate. I didn't, I didn't feel that way. From, from that soundbite, it sounded to me like they did add the players that they needed to. They do have the players they need, but the players have turned out not to be the right players, okay? that the construction of the team is based on the fact that makeup-wise, these guys might not be the, the winning team together. So from what I heard, and, and again, you, you had him on longer, so I, I only uh, have uh, reference to that soundbite. Uh, it sounded to me like he was saying, hey, these players were put in position to win. Collectively, they're not getting it done as a group. Okay. Uh, injury aside, they're they're not they're not the right makeup team to win together. I think the White Sox do lead the league. It's facetious, but it seems like they lead the league in playing players out of position. It seems like they don't have the kind of roster versatility, flexibility mm-hmm. that you would want. And they also, I think, have a lot of guys on the roster who are prone to the same kinds of things happening to them injury wise over time that gets very frustrating to go through. So I, maybe that's what he was referring to. Maybe that's the biggest problem. But And I know it's not it's, it's apples to oranges, but yesterday, I think it was. I know it was a blowout, but Mookie Betts is playing shortstop for the Dodgers. He's, he's throwing to Jason Hayward at first base. The Dodgers put guys everywhere, but they have put guys everywhere because they're capable of making those adjustments. The White Sox don't have that, that same side of – same kind of flexibility year in and year out. Gavin Sheets shouldn't yeah. be in right field again. You know, and, and so what do you do with Jake Berger? Well, you can't put him at second base because he's so, not yeah, Mike yeah, Moustakas. I, mean, I think you have identified the fact that they have a lot of DHs, okay? That's what the White Sox have. They have a, a lot of quasi-DH first basemen, okay? Could Berger play first better than third? Maybe you don't need as much range to play first base as you do third base. <clears throat> is uh, was Vaughn uh, out of position in an outfield? Of course he was. He's a better first baseman. Is Sheets out of position in the outfield? Yes, he doesn't have enough range. Uh, you have enough guys in those positions, as you point out, David, uh, and you point out very well, then you are going to have a limited amount of uh, balls that are caught that should be caught by major league infielders and outfielders. And from that per- per- perspective, Maybe roster construction is right, that you have very good players who fit certain roles, but there's not, um, on this particular team, many of them appear to be out of position, okay? Uh, It took Mankata a while to be a good third baseman. Now a lot of people think he's one of the better third basemen. Uh, Anderson, it's taken him a while to be accepted as a good shortstop. In 2021, he... uh, 
he was one of the better shortstops in the American League. He took a step back last year for the 80 games that he played. So um, you have a gold glover in center. You have a catcher that's under scrutiny all the time. I, I think I think the defense is wonky, and I think it puts the manager in a situation where he wants to have the best defense every day, but he's got to have offense in there. It, it makes it difficult. So maybe maybe roster construction is what you're talking about. Um, again, um, you're not always you're not always privy to uh, the best players at each position because your farm system only produces so much in so many different areas. Okay, it's April twenty second. Happy Earth Day! But this is a conversation, Bruce. We we had mean? on October twenty second. This is the same situation in the reality that was confronting the White Sox at the end of last season. I thought this was going to be the offseason in which the White Sox wheeled and dealed, that they went out and they make a trade to here or there to change the lineup and the, the roster construction. And I wonder what happened to that plan. I know they signed Benintendi. I know they added Clevenger. I know they, they have Colas. He's uh, you know, struggling right now. But where's the big deal? where they shook up the way this roster was constructed. And maybe that's, you know, what, what I leaned yeah. into, or maybe that's because that's what I thought should have happened and didn't. But I think here we are four months into the, the new year, and it feels like the old year. You know, if you talk to Rick Hanna and to uh, Kenny Williams, they would tell you, <clears throat> we can't uh, build a roster predicated on they're not going to get injured. Okay, I don't think any general manager can. <clears throat> Did they build a good roster? Did they go to the playoffs in 20? Did they go to the uh, did they win 93 games in 21? Yes, they did. Okay, were they a poor team last year? Yes, the 81 games was a bad team, <clears throat> even though they lost a lot of guys to injury. So, I'm not in the business of making excuses for the White Sox, but I will tell you this. <clears throat> uh, some of the guys on that team are just not playing team baseball, okay? And when you see that and you see that uh, it's not a collective feeling, you don't get the energy from this team that you got in 2021, even though a lot of the guys are the same guys, you just wonder where that went. Last year, it could easily be blamed on Tony LaRusso, and it was. I don't think anybody's going there right now on Pedro Grafal, are they? No, not yet. It's way too early, and I think that's going to be an ongoing conversation. And the especially worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. If the White Sox continue to struggle, and there are only two teams worse than them right now in the American League. Bruce, from roster construction to lineup construction, we have the Cubs lineup today against the Dodgers. Wrigley Field, 1245 pregame right here on the score. Dustin May versus Hayden Wisniewski. Nico Horner leading off. Swanson batting second. Ian Happ third playing left field. Seiya Suzuki in right field to clean up. Cody Bellinger batting fifth today in center. Patrick Wisdom third baseman batting sixth. Hosmer is at first base. Mancini is the DH. And Tucker Barnhart, the catcher behind the plate for Hayden Wesneski today against the Dodgers. That's a pretty good lineup, Bruce. I'll tell you what, when I hear that, and I hear that a guy has nine homers and a, a ton of RBIs, second in the league in home runs, in Major League Baseball in home runs, batting sixth, <clears throat> you have to feel good about the Chicago Cubs, right? Because that means that, that means that the manager feels he's got he's got five other hitters that are as good or better hitting in head of, ahead of the guy that's one of the Hold hottest on. uh, power hitters in baseball. Are you questioning Rossi right now? Bruce questions no. Rossi's lineup construction? No. I, maybe maybe I didn't uh, I, I didn't pronounce I know. I I'm kidding I, you, Bruce. I right. when you, your point's well uh, taken. What I'm saying is, is that they have better players. That's it, okay? They have yeah. better players than they had the last two years. And and they're playing up to their potential right now, and they're playing with a lot of verve, and they're 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 enjoying themselves. And I think Cub Nation is enjoying the the type of baseball that they're seeing right now. And on the other side of town, you know, I think there's a little uh, there's a little envy about the way the Cubs are playing, and the White Sox aren't. Speaking of that envy, let's go out to the phone lines. Mike is in Oak Forest talking about the Sox roster. Good morning, Mike. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Hey, thanks a lot. You know, I'm a Sox fan, and, uh, you know, as a Southsider, I don't like the Cubs, but, boy, am I jealous of that Cub team. <laughs> I, they have baseball players, baseball players, and, and we don't. I mean, I looked at that Cub roster on their pitching staff, and I say, who the heck are these guys? Yet one to two runs a game, they're giving up. Figure that out. I watch so many White Sox games, second and third, nobody out, and they can't score. We strike out too much. Our pitchers walk too many people. They throw too many pitches. And, uh, you know, going into that ninth inning yesterday with Tampa Bay's top of the lineup coming up and it's 7-5, to five, I said, we're going to be lucky to win this ball game. There's that sense of doom every time you see this team with a lead. 
They're up three to nothing. They have a chance to score a few more runs. Or the other day, they're up three to nothing. In the seventh inning, they bring in uh, Diekman. Okay, I've always believed when you score, the most important thing is the first out of the next inning and keep the other team scoreless. And what do they do? They give up four runs and lose the ball game. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the phone call. Bruce, what he was referring to and not getting guys in after getting them on, is that what you're referring to or alluding to when you're talking about the lack of team base, baseball players on the White Sox, the guys who aren't able to do those kinds of little things well? Well, I think they've been hamstrung of being the, of the type of players that people envision. People envision Anderson and Mancata as guys that could steal 20 to 30 bases, make things happen on the uh, on the field once they get on base, create havoc for the pitcher and the defense. They ain't that anymore, and guess what? They ain't going to be because of their injury history right now. <clears throat> they're not going to be that type of player. There's, they're going to be, just like Tony La Russa said last year, Hey, you got to be smart. Uh, run. You got to run when you should, and and not run when you shouldn't. And that got misconstrued as the White Sox aren't hustling. Okay. Now you're going to have injured players, one with a back and one with a uh, a leg injury coming back, and they're going to tell them the same thing. Hey, do what you can, but we need you on the field. Well, that's a very confusing message for a, a player, especially major league player with the talent that Mancata and Anderson have yet. That is a determining factor as to how much flair and how much uh, energy you show when you're out there trying to lead your team when you, when you're on the bases. Sox and Rays back at it today. This later this afternoon, it's a battle of aces down in Tampa, Dylan Cease, Shane McClanahan, the, the Rays now 17 and three, and we will talk about what will be a special tribute down in Tampa today when we get back. It's Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. Good lead at second, the pitch. Swing and a looper in the right field. That's going to get through for a base hit. Kiermaier, late break, gets the third. He's being waved home. Throw to the plate. Too late. In the second base goes the Rosa Arena. The Rays have come all the way back and have tied this game at five. Now the pitch. Swing and a fly ball to Gap in right center. Kiermaier coming over. He's going to make the catch. Verdugo's going to tag. Here comes the throw to third. He is out at third base. They got him. They got him. What a throw by Kiermaier. And did the Red Sox just run themselves out? Of the eighth inning. The Red Sox have run themselves out of this eighth inning. We're going to go to the ninth. We're tied at five. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. That was Dave Wills, former White Sox announcer, the pride of Oak Lawn, and former Rays broadcaster from 2021, Bruce. Friend to many in Chicago. Passed away way too early in March. Going to be a tribute to Dave at today's White Sox-Rays game, appropriate because of his love for the White Sox and certainly his love for the Rays, who have made history this year. And you just know he's watching down, smiling along the way. It is going to be a nice tribute today with both teams that he cared so much about. The, the beauty of Dave Wills was he, he was a true White Sox fan from the way back era. And by that, I mean... Anything Cubs or Wrigley Field made him sick to his stomach, okay? <laughs> uh, he didn't even want to go there. Ed Farmer, the same thing. Southside Ed Farmer, you know, 
professional, great pitcher, great person, great broadcaster, hated everything Cub. That was the old Cubs-Sox rivalry, and Dave Wills was all about that. But Dave, you know, look, David, I, I was lucky enough to work with Dave Wills for 10 years on the pre- and post-game for the White Sox, and he was truly a fun guy to be around, a really wonderful husband to Liz, a great father to Alex and Michelle. Um, I, I still don't believe he's gone, you know, at age 58. He was just, you know, he lived his dream as an announcer, wanted to be a White Sox announcer, was on a part-time basis, eventually got the Tampa job, ran with that for the last 18 years. I just, uh, I wish I could be there today, but I will be there in heart and uh, spirit for my friend Dave Wills. Real sense of loss for a lot of people in Chicago. You know, boyhood friends with Luke Kanellis. Uh, everybody knows Lou at Fox 32. He's been around for a very long time. And just everybody whose lives that Dave Wills touched remembered him and misses him and is happy that the family will at least uh, be able to smile, you know, through through the pain today we, when, the, when the, you know, the Rays do what they're going to do against the Sox at the game this afternoon. One story uh... – Dave and I, every Friday night uh, for home games, did the bullpen bar post game. And Terry Bevington was our guest one night after a bad loss. And the place uh, almost went up in flames because there were people with bed sheets painted, Bev must go, Bev must go. They were screaming, just, you know, just like LaRusso was hearing last year. But this was in the bullpen bar down uh, the right field line with about 100 White Sox fans in it, and it was chaos. Dave and I were just looking at each other and looking at Bevington. And Bevington, to his credit, just went, hey, they got a right to their opinion. I'm here to run the ball club. This is the way it's going. It's not going great. And uh, never forget that. Dave and I always talked about that night. That was a night we thought, uh, you know, the place was going to go up in flames. It it didn't, but uh, it was one of those sensational evenings that you never forget uh, in baseball. Sox raised this afternoon at the Trop. It's a 17-3 and Tampa Bay Rays team against the White Sox, who are the third worst in the American League. Dylan sees Shane McClanahan. Meanwhile, back in Chicago, the Cubs and the Dodgers back at it, 1245 right here on the score. Hayden Wesneski going against Dustin May. Bruce, really interesting stuff from Joe Girardi just talking about the tweaks and the uh, Cody Bellinger made or the analytics in the way a manager uses them. And I also felt like the way that he talked about David Ross and his ability to be the same guy every day and his background in, as a catcher and how that informed that to me was fascinating because yeah, there is the question how Joe Girardi is watching what David Ross does and he can relate to a lot of it. I just think everybody gets a little smarter when they hear a game called by Joe Girardi. Yeah, you know, I got a text from Ozzy saying that he really loved the, the part with uh, with us talking to Joe and that Joe was ex- exactly what you said, David. You know, he, he educates you. He doesn't talk down to you, okay? Joe Girardi is the salt of the earth from Peoria and Northwestern, just always a gentleman and a, such an accomplished guy. Played on world championship teams with the Yankees, managed a world championship team with the Yankees in 2009. But, uh, you know, a humbleness, but a... A really great authority. I think, you know, Marquee Sports Network did a great job of identifying Joe. He's probably going to do 50 games along with JD and uh, with Boog this year. So it's a it's a credit to them because it's 
it's a gain for the Chicago Cub fans to be able to listen to that uh, for the time that he's on there. So, Bruce, the beauty of being on a good team is that when somebody succeeds, you want to match that level of success, and the standards become raised eventually, inevitably. And today, Hayden Wisniewski has seen the way that the starting pitchers in front of him have performed, and he saw how he was able to perform his last time out. What are your realistic expectations from Wesneski today against a Dodgers lineup that will be a step up in class from the last one he faced in Oakland? Uh, get the left-handed hitters out somehow, okay? That, that's the key against the Dodgers. They are always potent. They always have good left-handed hitting. Uh, that's going to be the key to get Outman out. I don't know if uh, Muncy's – is he back in the lineup today? If he's in the lineup, you know, those are the guys that he has to dance around a little bit. Uh, th- those are those are some of the keys to the game. And, uh, you know, again, it's it's a learning curve for him. But like you said, David, uh, having uh, played with uh, this team so far this year and uh, the success that he had at the end of last year where he came in and threw strikes, uh, that's, that's the key for him. And, David, we have people to thank because um, it was a great show run by Sean Sears, our producer today. And a yes. great show run by you today. And you. Uh, we thank Joe Girardi from Marquee Sports Network. We also thank our uh, our friend um, um, Jake Berger from the White Sox for joining us. And I will miss you next week because we will have a big Bears third round show on the score. You and Molly will be hosting that from 9 to 12. I'll be in the bullpen warming up. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine, on our on our website at 670thescore.com. David, thanks for a great show. Thanks, Bruce, for book, booking the guests. Thanks, Bruce, for all your insight. And, yes, for teasing next week's Mullen Haw special Saturday edition, 9 to noon. We'll be back here at 5.30 Monday morning talking about the weekend that the Cubs and White Sox have. Big day today at Wrigley Field. We talked about it pregame here on The Score. Until then, it's Mark Grody, Solo Suckage. That's next on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Thanks for listening to Inside the Clubhouse. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.